Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another new episode of the Light. I'm your host, Mr. Alex, and we are back at it once again with another new episode for you. Lots going on, and a lot is happening, a lot is running through my mind, and so we are going to probably make some significant changes, not to the show itself, but to uh, everything else that we do. Uh, and if I do decide those changes, then we'll obviously make them public later. Uh, but in the meantime, we're just going to continue working through the Gospel of Matthew. We are in the 12th chapter this week, as well, uh, as well as the last previous few weeks, and probably going to be next week as well, before we wrap up chapter 12. Uh, we're going to begin with the 33rd verse. We're going to look at a concept of a tree is known by its fruit, and we're going to discuss that today. And then if we have time, we'll do the sign of Jonah, which is 38 through 42. And But I don't want to rush those topics, so I want to put as much time as I can into them. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of at that, that mental point where it's like, if, if I can get my point across and we can talk about it and it's 20 minutes long, that's a good show. I shouldn't, I, I don't want to cram you know, another topic in just to get a 30 minute show. Uh, so I'm not, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to hold myself to doing 30 minute shows every Friday. Some weeks I might get it in there quicker. Some weeks I may not, but, uh, we'll see what, uh, the good Lord gives us. So we are going to pick up with verse 33 and this is what Jesus says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person from out of his evil will, tre- uh, out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will count for every careless word they speak, but by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So there's 
some interesting implications here in this passage. And interestingly enough, it's one that can be often distorted and, and misunderstood and misapplied, especially in the evangelical churches in the West. We like to use these types of verses to really uh, emphasize uh, one's character nature in that if you're not fulfilling you, uh, my preconceived notions of what a good Christian looks like, then you're obviously not a good Christian. And so they will use this as ammunition to and kind of instill fear into the believer. So it's one of those that obviously comes with a big warning label. And we, we should be very cognizant of how we approach a text like this. We, we, we saw some similarities back in Matthew 7 as Jesus was talking about the unbelievers being made known by their fruit. And now he's actually talking to Pharisees. So remember last week, the Pharisees accused him of being of the devil, essentially, you know, calling him that. And so Jesus makes this retort and then turns around and gives us this next passage here, talking about a fruit being good or bad. And so Jesus is now targeting the Pharisees in his speaking in this, and he's discussing what they are actually saying when he goes to the extent to say for out of the heart the mouth speaks so when you when, when you encounter that that Jesus is seeing here he is speaking directly to the Pharisees and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have implications to today or to other things that because it certainly can but we must begin with the audience and who uh, this is being spoken to, who are the recipients, and then we can look in the greater context and say, okay, does this have application to me today? Does it have application to my church? Does it have application to my faith, my beliefs, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera? So we, we start with the most basic understanding of the text, and that draws us to this this you know the, the the audience which is the pharisees and again the greater discipleship group that's around him and maybe even the greater crowds because he makes a direct point in verse 14 you brood of vipers calling uh, the pharisees this so let's begin with the tree so we talked in chapter 7 how the tree uh bearing good fruit or bad fruit this was a representation of those who do not believe bearing the bad fruit because they have no belief in Christ. And so their fruit, therefore, is going to be uh, evil and unhealthy and rotten, whereas a believer is going to produce good fruit. Even a good tree, if you go out and you look at an apple orchard or you go out and you look at you know other types of trees, and you, you will see a good, healthy tree producing good, healthy fruit. But there are also going to be fruit on there that uh, didn't fall and maybe was eaten by a worm and became rotten or just, you know, didn't develop fully. You're going to find those as well on these healthy trees. That's a normal process. And so I think sometimes what we can get ourselves too wrapped up in is this notion that you must always be doing good, and if you're not, then you're not truly a Christian. And you must always be showing your work, and if you're not, you're not a good Christian. 
funny enough, I had a um, baptism this week. Not not the baptism being funny, but this conversation I had. So I had a baptism on uh, Sunday at church, and praise God, got to welcome um, uh, a baby into the kingdom of heaven and wash her and regenerate her through the words and speaking of Christ, as Christ does those actions through me. And so that, to me, is a tremendous blessing to be a part of. I absolutely love baptisms. And so it's uh, one of those really unique situations. But what was really um, impactful was one of the conversations that we had at the luncheon afterwards. So the sponsor for the child uh, approached me and started talking, and we were chatting um, after the lunch. And he had made the comment that he was a group uh, independent fundamental uh, fundamental Baptist, and he went to Bible college, and he's you know did all of these studies, and I I was you know pretty impressed. He seemed like he knew quite a bit about the Bible, and you know he had a very good firm foundation. But obviously he's left the uh, IFB, and he's become now evangelical free, which uh, they are a self governing organization. Um, they do not have you know. A, hierarchy and bishops and things like that that um, some of the bigger synods do like uh, Missouri Senate Lutherans or ELCA Lutherans they're not really Lutheran but the ELCA and if you're part of the ELCA please leave please leave if you believe in the Bible get out of that organization anyways he was talking about you know kind of his upbringing and understanding of faith and he made the comment he goes ah if you're not doing that then you're obviously not a good christian because in my sermon i had made a statement about if you're you know being a christian and evangelizing to people doesn't mean you have to sign up for missions and go overseas to to uh, to, to share the gospel and he made the statement he's like oh if you're not in missions and you're certainly not you know a good christian and that really really is an interesting comment because you think about how in some of these circles the ifbs in particular would you know would rate one out they would certainly deem me not a believer because they would you know see that i'm not actively doing all of these things that would fit their preconceived notions of what a good believer does and i think that's a very dangerous application to this passage what it's simply telling us is that a good free a good tree is known by its fruit it's going to produce good fruit but it doesn't mean that the tree is always going to have you know uh, every apple on it to be perfect there's going to be some apples that just aren't and that's normal for a healthy tree if you don't believe me go go walk an apple orchard and you'll see um, but I just want to make sure and make it known that just because you do something bad or you sin doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. And I think, again, this is where some of those IFBs and, you know, whether you get into more of the fundamentalist perspectives, they will adhere to this notion that you must be doing these works. You must adhere to this strict belief system. And this is exactly what the Pharisees are doing to the people in Israel at this time. And so Jesus is now starting to kind of go through and and deregulate and and break down what it is that they had taught and explain the proper way for things to be taught and understood. 
and, and it really is stepping on the toes of the Pharisees. So a good tree, it's known by its fruit. Uh, this takes us back to verse 32, um, when Jesus says, and uh, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, and whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the next. So if you speak a word against the Son of Man, you will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So what Jesus is saying here is that it is your words that determine whether you are good or evil. Your words. We see that theme kind of peak up throughout the Gospels, that out of the heart, one person is, the person is made known. And Jesus even makes that statement, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you speak is coming from your heart, and that is what determines your nature, your good nature or your evil nature. Your works are, are completely secondary conversations. And, and I think sometimes we get lost in this because we want to assert that a tree is made known by its fruit. And you, you can only be made known if you are producing all of these good works. And that, to me, just really kind of takes away the impact, the, the significance of the scriptures. If you are producing good work, it is because Christ is compelling you to do the good work. But it is not a determination on your evilness or your goodness, because even evil people can do good things. Obviously, they're not good in the eyes of God, but they're good in the eyes of humanity. And even good people can do bad things in the eyes of humanity. The difference is faith. The difference is what you believe in. Those who believe in Christ will produce good fruit. But that good fruit that Jesus is telling us isn't based upon the works and actions that they do. It's based upon the words they speak. If you believe, you will act as a believer and you will speak out of love, compassion, mercy, kindness, joy, happiness, all of those things. If you do not believe, you will speak with a different type of rhetoric. Hate, despisement, uh, anger, maliceness, all of these other things that are, would make one evil. But that doesn't mean that they're you know, going to not maybe say, I love you, because they very well could. They could have significant others that they love and cherish, but they are focused solely on themselves. And they are inherently evil. That is what is being demonstrated. It is what you proclaim with your mouth. Paul tells us that in Romans 10, 9, that if you proclaim with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the grave, then you will be saved. Out of the mouth comes your faith. You are demonstrating your faith by what you believe. Your works then are like secondary and maybe even tertiary in this conversation. And I know that's going to step on some of the reformed folks toes and, you know, and maybe, you know, I don't know if you're a Calvinist or, or whatever your, you know, mainline belief system is, but it isn't the works that you produce are not what garner a person, a Christian. They, they do not target the person and say, yes, this person is, and this person's not. It's the words. It is what you pronounce and proclaim with your mouth. So why would Jesus say that if that wasn't the case? Because he goes to the extent to say 
in two separate instances here in in a very short in a very short snippet that it is the words that measure a person and then paul echoes that in romans why would that be significant if the words don't fully incorporate somebody as a believer and sometimes too here's here's the really kicker i've heard people say well you may make the statement that you believe in Jesus, but do you actually live like you believe in Jesus? Nobody's living like they believe in Jesus because we're all sinful. We all sin. We doubt and we fall short of the glory of God continuously. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's the famous prayer. I don't believe, so help me in my unbelief. But I believe, but I don't. I doubt, I struggle, I stumble, I fall, I sin. That is the, the greatest cups of all of this right here, is, is the focus of where our faith lies. Is it in ourselves or is it in Christ? So my whole take on the tree is merely the words one speaks. It's not your fruit. It's not, the fruit is the words, it's not the works. It is not the actions you do. It is not the obedience and the love and you know, the behaviors that you exhibit. It's it's the words you speak out of love, compassion, mercy, kindness, joy, happiness, peace, all those things. So in verse 34, then he turns and kind of makes this very pointed statement. He calls them brood of vipers, the Pharisees. And he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've already talked about that. The first commandment has instructed the heart and taught the faith. This commandment now leads us forward and directs the mouth in tongue to God. The first things that spring forth from the heart show themselves as words. If we make that statement that this is, you know, understanding the, the first commandment, then that is encompassing itself into our love for God. Because from that, from our heart, our love for God, from the heart, then our words are demonstrated and we can see um, we can see that the grace and mercy of God shine forward in our lives and in the lives of other people. Then he goes on and he makes a statement about good treasure and evil treasure. Uh, the speech is revealing the character, the good from the good and the bad from the bad. And so he's going forward to, to again, emphasize the the level and and weight that your words have upon people. Here's another interesting thing. We can go all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount, chapter five, and we see uh, after the Beatitudes, we see Jesus start to talk about some pointed things. Uh, he talks about anger, and he says, you know, you've heard it, you've heard it before that thou shalt not murder. But I tell you, if you call your brother a fool you're liable for judgment. So out of the heart is the demonstration of one's faith. If you are going around speaking ill of people and causing hate and, and, and despair and violence towards people because of your despisement of them, you are, that's where we can draw the line and say, I don't know if that guy's a believer. I, I don't know if they, they know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because out of the heart they are speaking, those, those words are the first instance that we see one's faith 
It doesn't mean, again, that we will always have perfect speech and that we will always be speaking constantly out of joy and happiness and peace and all that, because there's going to be times when we struggle and fall and fail, and we're going to, we're going to stumble, and we're going to sin, and we're going to say things that are going to hurt other people. And that is, a, that is just part of the, the sinful nature of us. But we turn and try and reconcile and ask for forgiveness and seek forgiveness from them. That is where we are different. But he's going on to say that the speech, again, is what reveals your character. It is the works that are great, but even evil people can do good works. Jesus made that statement earlier as well in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He makes a statement that, you know, even the evil father is going to provide for his son and his daughter and his family, but that doesn't make them a good person in the eyes of God. They still do not believe in God and they are therefore determined as wicked. And that is what we will see on the day of judgment because we get another little snippet. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will account for every careless word they speak. On the day of judgment, those who do not believe are speaking careless words. They will be condemned. But those who speak in faith to Christ will have justification. They will have salvation. They will have eternal life. And all they have to do is say, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for my sins and rose from the grave. That is where faith comes from. That is what Paul states in Romans 10, 9. So the careless word is uh, an adjective in Greek. It could mean lazy and idle. Uh, in the KGV, it is noted as insignificant. Uh, Jesus possibly had in the mind of the Pharisees remarked that he cast out the demons by Bezalbiel, warned that they would be held accountable for this word on the day of judgment. Remember there at the very end, where he says that uh, whoever speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be. So they can speak against Jesus all they want. And you can, you can speak against Jesus all you want, but you can still be forgiven. You can still seek reconciliation with God. But when you speak against the Holy Spirit, that is the, the, the deciding factor right there and not being forgiven. And we, we talked a little bit about it last week, but really what that is, is signifying is the fact that you are denying the work of God and equating it to the work of the devil. That's what the Pharisees are doing. And so this is why Jesus turns and gives us kind of this whole statement on speech in this next text. Not your works and obedience, but your words that you say. So there's a difference between words and works. So pay attention to that. It is not your works, it's not your obedience, it's not the actions you follow through with, it is the words you speak. Those careless words will be held to judgment. And if you are justified, you will be speaking out of faith. Jesus spoke these final words, not just to the Pharisees, but to all of the hearers and readers today. Each individual is accountable for the words that flow from one's heart. They prove a person is either righteous or guilty. You may do stupid things. You may stumble, fall, sin. You may even say stupid things. You may say hurtful things, and you may say hateful things. You 
can still be forgiven. When you doubt the efficacious work of Christ and the Holy Spirit upon people, that is when we start to run into trouble because you can't be forgiven for blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. You cannot be forgiven if you are equating the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil and saying that it is the devil that is doing this. That is a terrible thing to think and say. So Jesus reminds us that words are important. God, uh, Good words come from good hearts and evil words come from evil hearts. What do your words tell others about your hearts? James, quite a bit of controlling of our tongues. Uh, say quite a bit of controlling our tongues in, in James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Such control begins with a repentant heart. Only faith in Jesus, the word of God, produces good hearts from which flow words of praise and confession. Note that last one, confession. You can still sin, but you confess that sin. Brother, I hurt you. I said something against you that, you know, that that hurt you, that really damaged you. Please accept my forgiveness. When you confess your sins to others, you will be forgiven. John tells us that in his letters that when we confess our sins before others, God will be merciful and forgive us. So, it is the words, W-O-R-D-S, the words that will justify or condemn a person. Not the works, but your words. Because your words are what constitute whether a person is righteous or wicked. The words are a result of where one's heart is is the words are the demonstration of a christian so i'm going to leave it with that if you don't like that i'm sorry but i'm not going to apologize any more than that that is how i that that is just how the text reads and that is what the text says that is how we read scripture and i think there's no better way to uh, have a person demonstrate their faith in the simple proclamation. In fact, when we did the baptism, what did we do? We proclaimed our faith in the Apostles' Creed. So when we make a, a public proclamation, when we make a vocal proclamation, we are demonstrating to others our faith, our righteousness. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're not going to sin and we're not going to hurt people. But we do so. But then when we do sin, we seek for forgiveness through our confession. That's going to wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen. Again, as I mentioned, we've got some things in the works, uh, some significant changes to kind of the whole show construct. The show itself will stay the same for now, um, but things on the back end are probably going to be changing soon. Um, so stay tuned if you are interested in any of that. I'll probably make an announcement on next week's show. But uh, it's Friday, so make sure you guys are in church. We are going back to Chicago this weekend. I'm very excited. So Friday morning, we'll be packing up the car and hitting the road. And we are going to visit some family and friends. And we're going to attend our old church. And we're going to go out to breakfast at my wife's favorite place on her birthday. And then come back Monday. So very excited. A lot of uh, good things coming uh, down the chute for you. So stay tuned. Get to church. Partake in the sacraments. And truly, truly, truly love Christ. Love others. That is what we are called to do. Love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. 
love others as ourselves. And that is where we speak love, passion, mercy, mercy, and all of those wonderful things that Christ has given us. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. God bless. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.